Today's sponsor is Audible with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash decode. Hi, I'm Lauren Good, Senior Technology Editor at The Verge, and you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, a podcast about consumer tech. We're all about making technology easier to understand and use. So if you have questions about tech that you've been too embarrassed to ask, please send them in. Now, there are a couple ways you can submit your questions. First, you can just tweet them. We're always on Twitter. Tweet them to at Recode or to me at Lauren Good or to my co-host at Kara Swisher with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. That's two R's and two S's and embarrassed in case you cannot spell. We also have an email address, too embarrassed at Recode.net. Again, two R's and two S's in that. You can also find all of our past episodes on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a review. Well, Kara actually couldn't be here today, so I'm very excited to welcome Recode Senior Media Editor, Peter Kafka. He's also host of the Recode Media Podcast. Peter, thanks so much for joining me on Too Embarrassed to Ask. Hi, Lauren Good of The Verge and Too Embarrassed to Ask. I'm going to do my best Kara Swisher impression. I am wearing metaphorical uh, aviator glasses, and I'll be checking my phone throughout this podcast. So let's get going. Peter, tell us who you spoke with earlier this week on Recode Media. I talked to Ken Curson. He's the editor of the New York Observer, which used to be a newspaper in New York City, is now a website, um, and it's of interest to a lot of people now because it's owned by Jared Kushner, who you may have heard is now, or has been for a while, Donald Trump's son-in-law, has enormous uh, influence in Donald Trump's world, which means he has enormous influence in all of our worlds. You can find that podcast right where you find this podcast, over on iTunes or Spotify, anywhere. You're smart, so you can go find it. Uh, Look for Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter has actually joined us on this podcast before. He crashed our Juicero party when we talked to the founder and then CEO of the smart juicing company, Juicero. Peter, do you remember that? It was pretty fun. Yeah, and I said, I, next time you have someone on who's, who's tried out some spy glasses that record you, um, I would like to come back on the show. So here we are. <laughs> so here we are. Because today we're talking about Snapchat Spectacles. Uh, this is the first hardware from the company formerly known as Snapchat. Now it's just called Snap. And to answer all of our questions about the new spectacles, I'm really happy to welcome a reporter from The Verge, my colleague, Sean O'Kane. He has spent a lot of time with these things on his head over the past week, and he actually published his official review of the spectacles earlier this week. So go to TheVerge.com to check that out. Sean, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Are you wearing the spectacles right now? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm back to uh, I'm back to my regular glasses. It's weird. I I spent a couple months ditching my contacts, so I had to put them back on for the first time in a while to try those out. Uh, it was kind of a weird feeling. And Sean, you made an awesome video. People should go watch the video as well. Um, I know you're going to explain everything about spectacles, but I just have one pressing question: How did you get your hands on these things? Because I think you're going to explain they're they're not easy to get and. And unlike other product rollouts, Snapchat is not handing these out to the press, right? Did you have to go kill someone to get these? <laughs> I mean, it felt like that compared to uh, the way we get some other products in uh, here at The Verge. But we were lucky enough to, I mean, so that first day that they put them on sale, uh, they just dropped a vending machine in Venice Beach, California. And after we sort of had come down from the rush of getting the news up that that had happened, we all sort of went, wait, you know, one of our senior entertainment reporters lives right in Los Angeles. Let's see what he's doing today and disrupt whatever that was going to be. Uh, and so we had him go over, stand in line, and he waited about four and a half hours or so. Uh, went so you made you made a, a, you made a, a virgin ploy. Was it Brian? Yep, Brian Bishop. You made, you made Brian go stand in line like any other pro yeah. and, and get his hands on these things. He bought a pair for himself, and then he bought a second pair, and he overnighted that one to us so that we could do stuff out here with them, and it all worked out. 
here we are a week later. Week Brian actually later. said after the fact that he was really happy for the distraction because I think that was the day after the election, if I've got the timing right, or like two days later. And he was like, ah, oh, it was actually really nice to step away from the yeah. desk. He's also been doing a, a sort of ongoing series this fall for us about the experiential horror houses and, and things like that in LA. So I thought it was pretty fitting that we made him stand in a four and a half hour line to spend $260 on a couple of pairs of sunglasses as well. <laughs> right. Which is how much they cost. They cost $129 per pair. Let's back it up a little bit for people who don't even know anything about them yet. What exactly are Snapchat spectacles? What do they do? So they're sunglasses. And in those sunglasses, there's a, a camera embedded in the top right corner. Uh, and they were announced... Earlier this fall, uh, kind of weirdly, there was a sort of giant Wall Street Journal feature published at you know, 9 or 10 p.m. on a Friday night that sort of announced them after uh, some information leaked about them existing. And so, yeah, that's basically it. They're, they're, they've drawn a lot of early comparisons to Google Glass just because that's one of the only other things that we think about when we think about having a camera on your face. But they're much simpler than that. They're much cheaper than that. In that respect, they are just sunglasses with a camera. They they tie right into your Snapchat app, so all the videos that you shoot on the glasses sort of beam over Bluetooth to your phone and show up in the Snapchat app at some point. The process is a little wonky, and we can talk about that in a bit, but, um, but everything you shoot on it, up to 10-second clips at a time, or 30, there's a way you can sort of extend the clip, but pretty much 10-second clips as you're shooting, and they just go right to your phone, and from there you can post them so to it's, Snapchat it's, or can even get them out of the app if you want, but then they look a little weird. So Google Glass was, was supposed to be sort of whether or not it was actually a computer on the embedded in the glasses or whether the, the phone was doing all the work. It was supposed to be sort of a, a computational thing, right? It was supposed to be able to go get information for you. Um, this is really just like kind of looks like a pair of Ray-Bans and effectively is like a pair of Ray-Bans with a GoPro attached to it, right? It's just, it's just really a camera. Yeah, and it's even – I mean I would – Say it's even simpler and, and more streamlined than that because they feel just like almost any other pair of sunglasses. They don't they're not uncomfortable to wear or anything like that. I've got a pretty big head, so they were a little tight on me, but even that didn't stop me from, you know, wearing them throughout an entire day. Uh it never bothered me. You can see sort of in each corner uh the little circles, one, you know, on one side for the camera and one on one side for the um the recording light. And so that's a little bit that's the only thing that really stands out. Uh, otherwise, they feel like you're just wearing sunglasses on your face. Uh, they're very easy to, very easy to get comfortable with them because of that. So you're not the sunglasses themselves aren't connected to the cloud, right? You have to be using the phone. Everything is still happening through the phone and really through the Snapchat app, right? Can you record audio in the video as well? Yep, there's a tiny little uh, spot on the underside of the sunglasses where there's a microphone, uh, and it actually records pretty decent audio. It's not you know, as good as maybe even your smartphone's audio, but it's it's good enough for the kinds of videos you shoot with this. When you If you wore Google Glass, people looked at you and they said, you look really weird and maybe you look really cool and can I try those glasses on? When you're wearing these things, how do people react to them? I, I was surprised. I figured here in New York City, like if I was going to wear, I wore them for about a week, pretty much every day or at least part of every day. And I figured if anywhere they were going to get recognized, it was going to be here. And I almost never had... I pretty much had no one call them out. If I told them what they were, they would say, oh, like, I think I know what those are. Or, you know, that was when the conversation would happen about 
knowing that these existed, but no one really stopped me and said, oh my God, you have the Snapchat glasses or anything. And actually, one of the only times anyone actually noticed them and called them out was when we were doing our video shoot. We were over on the west side of Manhattan and someone, this guy who is sort of near our shoot, looks at me and he goes, and dead serious, goes, are those the Vine glasses? (laughs) (laughs) Did you break the news to him? You got some news. You got some news to read up. (laughs) So no, they're much, I mean, they're, they're much more straightforward, and I I give Snap a lot of credit because I think they very purposely made a couple design choices that distance the product from the awkwardness that Google Glass ran into, right? With Google Glass, the problem was you never really knew what someone was doing with them. They could be recording you. They might not be recording you. They might be taking a picture. They might be looking at a YouTube video instead, whereas this, you know, once you know what they are, you know there's only one thing that someone's going to be doing with them, and... There is, you know, on the opposite side of the glasses from where the camera is, there is this ring of white LED lights that spins when you're recording. And so it sort of announces to everybody that you chose to take a video. You know, it makes it this very public thing that I, and I think that was a very conscious decision. Snapchat could have or Snap could have hid the tech in this. I mean, it's that streamlined of a product that they could have made it even harder to see that there's a camera but they made a couple decisions like that there's these like little yellow circles around the camera and the lights that draw your attention to the fact that there's something going on there and i think that's all part of them testing out the waters as far as you know what do people think about when they see you using something like this and how do they feel about being a part of this process I mean, it seems like a lot of the design elements between the led light and the fact that they are sunglasses makes them they become more of an item that I guess people aren't going to wear all day long like if you walk into a public restroom and you're wearing dark sunglasses it's going to look strange to begin with right yeah then again wearing a face computer like google glass probably looks strange when you're in a public restroom too yeah totally I mean there's the from sort of top to bottom of this whole experience with spectacles the way that snap launched them and is selling them in these vending machines that only pop up in certain you know around the country in limited quantities to those design decisions about sort of the recording light and everything. All of this, I think, points to, you know, in that Wall Street Journal piece that came out when these were announced, Evan Spiegel, the CEO, was very careful to say that they want to be known as a camera company going forward. And I think a lot of the design decisions and a lot of the process decisions around what spectacles are and how they look and how they work and how they're being sold uh, and in what quantities they're being sold are all point to them trying to, you know, as a company, figure out, are people going to like this idea? And also sort of cutting down on the amount of ways it could go wrong. And and even just making them sunglasses is one of those, right? Like these camera on these glasses aren't really great in low light. So what's a way to get around that in this first generation? Make them sunglasses so that you're sort of discouraged from using them inside anyways. Hey, Sean, another question about uh, uh, people and how they react to them. Because, again, Google Glass went from, like, interesting novelty to people really had a a fierce negative reaction. There are lots of stories about that. When people realized, all right, these are things that are recording me, again, you you work at The Verge, so you work with a certain strain of people who are probably comfortable with that idea. But what, what about when you brought it out into the world and you decided to video someone and they realized that's what was happening? What was the reaction? I mean, it varied person to person, and I think it really had to do with how much they use and and also how they sort of feel about Snapchat, like the app, Uh, because there were definitely some people, friends of mine, who, you know, I would hit the button and the light would start spinning and I would start recording and then they'd be like, oh, I didn't even realize what that was. What is that? And I'd tell them and they'd they'd tense up a bit and they feel like, 
they act in that way that like when anybody knows that they're being recording has a tendency to act. And then there were some people who I know who are, you know, much more tied into social media and heavy Snapchat users who would see me, you know, make that decision and start recording and they'd, you know, play along. And I think that's what Snap, sorry, is really banking on is getting those sort of hardcore users and fans to buy these things first to sort of like organically spread right. that. But, you know, but not different than you picking up the phone, right? Like they had the same reaction to you picking up a phone and making a video. It wasn't like they're more comfortable because they're glasses. They all, they had the same reaction that they would, whether, you know, whether it's an iPhone or a pair of the, the spectacles. It's a similar split. Yeah. I mean, someone who isn't going to flinch when you're holding the phone in front of your face and, and pretty obviously recording them is going to probably do the same here. But I also do think, I mean, you know, Snap could have just thrown that red light, you know, made it more a more universal language by putting a red light on there that signals that you're recording. But they chose this like much friendlier kind of funny thing to watch this like spinning red light that almost sort of like trances you in uh, and like brings you into the process instead. And so I think they're trying to change that behavior. Why is Snapchat making hardware? And I throw this question to the both of you because, Peter, you've covered Snapchat from an advertising and a revenue generation, uh, you know, angle before. And Sean, you've obviously, you know, talked to the company recently for your review. Why are they doing this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's about control. Snapchat is an app that is stalling out a little bit in its user base, especially because it's just being straight up looted for its best ideas by Facebook and Instagram. Uh, And so, you know, what do you do on Snapchat? You take pictures. What's maybe the best way to keep those people using that app? Control the camera. And so this is one way to do that. You know, as far as their positioning for a camera company, this is an interesting way to dip into that kind of market. Maybe Peter can speak to that a little bit more about like what he thinks their ambitions might be. But it it is one of the more unique things that's happening in the camera industry right now. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I sort of get why they're they're insisting they're a camera company. I mean, look, they're going to go public next year. Their plan is to go public and they're going to say that they made $400 million this year and $1.6 billion next year, whatever the number is. And that's not from selling cameras, right, or being a camera company. It's it's from selling advertising on a social media platform. And they're going to be that way for a while. But I do like Sean's idea that this is a, a, a new line for them to sort of extend their core platform. I, I'm pretty certain they are going to have other products. Um, they do like the idea of, of, of being a product company, of a company that makes things that are not just a app. Um, I remember in the past we heard a, a rumor that they were going to work on a TV, which seemed ridiculous. And now it doesn't seem totally ridiculous because if they've proven that they can successfully make sort of a, a low-level pair of glasses that take pictures, I mean, why not make a TV screen or whatever else? I think I think you'll see more stuff from them. Yeah. And hardware is, of course, very hard. We see a lot of companies struggle with that, especially newer companies trying to get into it, managing supply chain, managing quality control, all that stuff. So that is still sort of a big TBD if Snapchat does sort of deepen its footprint in hardware. Um, to come back to your initial question to Sean about how he got these, what's behind this sort of viral marketing slash pop-up thing they're doing where they're just dropping these vending machines in the middle of, I mean, literally in the middle of the Grand Canyon, for example, um, and saying, here's where you have to go get them. Is it just marketing? Or are they managing uh, supply and demand in some way? I mean, why, why are they doing it this way? I think the, mo- the most fascinating thing about that is that you know, the very first day that they dropped a vending machine in, in Venice Beach, you know, that was on, I think that happened on a Thursday. The very next day, 
Nintendo released this long-awaited thing, the NES Classic, this you know tiny version of the old Nintendo that was really cheap and everybody wanted to buy one and they put it up for sale on Amazon and Amazon of all places crashed and you know it felt like no one was able to buy it even though they sold out somehow and it was like the perfect I mean the people at Snap must have just been like patting themselves on the back because it was it showed exactly why you want to own the experience like this right like it might be annoying to have to go through all the trouble of this vending machine process and like bringing it to all these random places like the Grand Canyon or out in the middle of nowhere outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. But if you go put it up for sale on Amazon, like you're giving some of the control over to a different company, even one that you think is reliable and you're opening yourself up for, you know, problems and criticism and things like that. And so I I thought that was really funny that like on back to back days, we got to see the two approaches bear out in totally different ways. But they're also two very different things, right? Like the Nintendo product is a thing that Nintendo wants a lot of people to buy. Whereas the, the, the spectacles, at least in this iteration, are, are if they're rolling them out one vending machine a day at a time, um, it's by definition going to be a super limited run. And they sort of set expectations. This is going to be just the thing that a few people get. And also by making it available to anybody, it's not just going to be that Bono or Beyonce will have them. But anybody can get them, but only a few people can get them. So I think what you said is smart about them. They're not going to crash Amazon. But they also insulate themselves from other problems, right? They can't run out because it's only in one vending machine. So it's it's very much sort of a, a fun, good-natured sort of marketing exercise, and they can't really fail at it. It can't be like a new iPhone that people have a, a lot of people have problems with. And it'll be interesting to see if they if they do do a bigger product rollout for something else down the line. But this is this is very much, and it's it's cool, right? It's like I think they're they're in Manhattan today. It popped up apparently like six thirty this morning. There's a line instantly. Um, it also prevents them from having these these problems that Apple's had in the past, people camping out for days um, on the streets in, in these unsightly lines for their products. You won't have any of that. It's all sort of good-natured fun. Well, fun. Peter, I guess that means the next time they drop one, you're going to be there waiting in line for five hours to get a pair, right? Sounds, um, sounds like you think it's as, fun. As soon as I finish this podcast, I'm going to head over there and stand in the cold. So I can right, well, I hope you add it to your story the whole time. Just keep snapping. I'm definitely curious to see how it's how it's going to change, though, too, because like, it you know the first week and a half or so it was these like random drops limit super limited and now they do have this pop-up store in new york that's going to last through new year's eve uh, it was only open for about four or five hours today anyways which is about how long that they were on sale in all these other locations but it does point to them trying to make it more available than maybe just hundreds now we're talking maybe tens of thousands of units that they're going to sell I guess it gives people time to get used to the idea, too, although it, it will still be really interesting to see if there's any kind of backlash to the idea of people being recorded, even but for I, short I think, of by time. the way, that's the most interesting thing about the whole thing, right? I think if I think if Apple or Facebook or Google made the identical product and rolled it out, there'd be immediately a more negative backlash because they're big, established giants, and they've gone through the sort of like positive, negative cycle a bunch of times. And no matter how good they were, they would get some amount of grief for them. And I think Snapchat is in this this cycle where everything it does is positive. Everyone loves it. All the media companies are, are trying to figure out how this stuff works. I mean, they've got a great halo around them. I think this is another good example. But if you think about it, when Snapchat first launched, it didn't have that halo. A lot of people associated Snapchat with nefarious messaging. And so in a way, they've almost been through this already where they've seen the sort of initial reaction is something that maybe isn't altogether positive and then they just sort of you know what though i think you know they managed to stick with it i think they were really pretty niche i mean if you knew what snapchat was you were you probably worked at the verge or read the verge i think it was not super mainstream outside of a certain demographic in the in the way that apple and facebook and google are right well this has been fascinating 
Okay, well, in a minute, we're going to hear some questions about Snapchat spectacles from our readers and listeners. But first, here's Kara Swisher with a word from our sponsor. Thanks, Lauren. This show is brought to you by HelloFresh, the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions, and they only take 30 minutes to prepare, whether you're a novice or an experienced home cook short on time. HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients, measured in exact quantities needed so there's no food waste. And they have a full-time registered dietitian on staff who reviews each recipe to ensure it is nutritionally balanced. It all comes right to your doorstep in a specially insulated box. This is so easy and convenient, you have to try it out. And you can save big when you sign up for HelloFresh with our promo code. For $35 off your first week of deliveries, visit HelloFresh.com and recode when you subscribe. That's HelloFresh.com, promo code RECODE. This show is brought to you by SoFi, and today I'm talking to Michael Tannenbaum, Senior Vice President of Mortgages at SoFi. SoFi is a new kind of finance company offering student loan refinancing, mortgages, personal loans, wealth management, and more. Today I'm asking Michael a question that some people may be too embarrassed to ask about mortgages. So how do you put an offer on a house if you're someone? You go, you see it, you put an offer in, and then what happens? So what you're typically doing is filling out a somewhat standardized contract. In most states, there's a standard form of purchase contract that you fill out. Typically, your real estate agent is doing that with you, although it's not required. You could do it yourself. And there's a few things that you're thinking about when you do it. The biggest ones are what's the terms of the contract, both in terms of duration, right? Like, is this a 30-day? When's the close? And then separately but related, when am I releasing contingencies? See how a SoFi loan can work for you at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com slash legal. This podcast is also sponsored by Indeed Prime. Indeed Prime is a talent platform that matches elite tech talent with top companies. They make it easier for software engineers to find and land their dream job. With their help, you can get immediate exposure to the best tech companies with one simple application. And when you're hired, Indeed Prime gives you a $2,000 bonus. That's their way of saying thank you. But if you use our Too Embarrassed to Ask link, you get a $5,000 bonus instead. So sign up for Indeed.com slash Recode. Indeed Prime is 100% free for job candidates and helps hiring managers discover available high-quality talent. Learn more at Indeed.com slash Recode. Every week, we take questions and comments from our readers and listeners. If you have a question about any tech topic, anything at all, you can tweet it at us with the hashtag TooEmbarrassed, or you can just email us, TooEmbarrassed at Recode.net. Peter, do you want to read the first question this week? Sure, I'll read the first question for you, Lauren. Uh, Mahedi Hassan asks, why would someone use this rather than your own camera on your phone? It's much better quality, and it's easier to post this stuff. Good question. Sean, what would you say? I mean, so it's really all about two things. One is... Sure, using the camera on your smartphone is already a pretty frictionless process, uh, and the quality has come a long way, but this eliminates the last little bit of friction there, right? So if you know that you see something happening in that moment right away, you can just tap that button on the glasses and you got it. You don't have to worry about fumbling for your phone, going through the process of opening the camera app, like all that, you know, maybe the app crashes, all that stuff. And then two is it leaves your hands free. So what I found it really powerful for is, you know, not just like really crazy activity stuff like GoPro footage is, but like, you know, greeting my dog at the end of the day, like playing, you know, meeting with friends and family, like the kind of stuff that you 
separate yourself from what's happening when you have a phone or a camera in front of your face, you can totally change that experience when you just have these on instead. Right. And your dog doesn't care if you're wearing sunglasses indoors. So you yeah, walk well, indoors and you're <laughs> exactly. in your dog. And Moose, uh, we have to get Moose in there. Moose is a big part of Sean's review. Greets yeah. you and is super excited. And you want to get that photo or that video, but you don't want to take your phone out. Right. So that's like a great example is sort of the, the upside of this. Right. I guess maybe if you were sitting there having you know, breakfast with a friend sitting there with sunglasses at the diner, they might ask like, get a rough night the night before or something. Yeah. But I don't know. Kara Swisher could probably get away with it because yeah. she wears sunglasses all the time. But I guess it's, it's, di- it's going to be different, right? For every... Snapchat aviators for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. They might want to get started on that for Kara. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't tried them yet. So I can't really say why someone would want to use this rather than their phone's camera. But Sean, you make a pretty good case for it uh, in some circumstances. I, I'll put it this way. One thing that I didn't talk about in my review, but has just been in my mind since they announced these things too, on, on the side of that friction thing, this might not feel that much different from the amount of time it takes to take your phone out of your pocket and start shooting. Think about another generation or two down the line, if they get a bit, you know, a better battery that fits in the same amount of size and stuff and a little bit more processing power, and they can start borrowing from action cameras or dash cams or even regular cameras that all have a feature now where you can sort of always be buffering. So instead of wearing Snapchat glasses and you see something happening and you hit a button to start recording, something really crazy happens and you happen to be looking at it and it was already buffering, you know, the last 15 seconds or so and you just tap the glasses then and you didn't have to catch it in time. Then all of a sudden it changes what these glasses are and then you're light years ahead of how long it takes you to get your phone out of your pocket or a camera ready because you're just always sort of recording that also then brings up a litany of different creepy stalker modes yeah and so it's like that's a huge thing that we would have to talk about and i think that's why they're trying to suss out a lot of those issues right now with the first generation but i i could see them heading in that direction because that tech already exists in in a lot of other cameras the next one is from I Telmelkov. He's at Soragashi on Twitter. Can you choose its color when buying? And any news about European release? Yeah, so there's three colors. There's black, there's a lighter tealish blue, uh, and then a what they call coral, which is sort of, you know, like orangish pink. Uh, so you can pick between those three when you buy them in the vending machine. Uh, so far, they've been limiting, other than that first day, which we heard from Brian that some people were buying more than this, but... Supposedly, you're only supposed to be able to buy up to two at any one of the vending machines, even the one here in New York uh, in the pop-up shop. Um, but it's what's, it's what's funny. What's the it's secondary like, market for these? What are they selling for on eBay? Well, I mean, the first week it was like you know everything from three hundred dollars up to you know nine ninety nine, uh, and you know, and then the jokers who usually try to get more. Uh, what I saw a lot of people doing was they would buy two or three at a time because that first day they were sort of letting people buy more than they had said and so people were buying like a bunch and trying to bundle okay i'll sell you two for 750 or i'll sell you three for like you know eleven hundred dollars or something like that so the secondary market's been pretty crazy i would expect that's going to go down a little bit now that there's the pop-up store in new york Mm -hmm. and what about a release overseas they haven't talked about it yet it's all been u.s so far i would imagine they keep it here for now um but you know we we don't know what their next move after this sort of limited run is. So as far as we know, it's U.S. only. At Sapch Schwa, sorry if I butchered your name, uh, wants to know if it's true the video just lasts for half an hour. Do you think he means, he or she means, the video goes away after half an hour or there's a half hour limit on how long you can record? 
Uh, well, so there's, I mean, there are a couple different things at play. Uh, one is battery life. If you only shoot about, you know, one, two, or three videos an hour, you can make it stretch for about a day, uh, you know, or, or as long as you would normally wear sunglasses during a day. One thing we haven't talked about is they actually come with this pretty cool carrying case that just snaps open and the glasses magnetically like snap into place inside the case. And that case has four extra charges. So while shooting 30 or 40 videos over the course of like a half an hour is going to drain the battery on the glasses almost to zero, you always sort of have that carrying case with you to charge them back up. The videos themselves, like I said, they're, they're 10 seconds, but if you press the button three times when you shoot, you can extend that up to 30 seconds. Um, so I guess half hour, maybe that's talking about the battery. You can definitely run the battery down in a, in a half hour, that's for sure. By the way, that idea of the glasses magnetically snapping into the case, as someone who wears glasses regularly, I just want that to exist for all of my non-smart glasses. Yeah, it's really like slick. I want a case where they just snap in and they stay there. And by the way, someone should invent like a little in-case cleaner that comes along, like a little robot that comes along and cleans your glasses while they're sitting in a case. And the, the case like a little car wash. is kind of a mini trend, right? With the Apple, whatever whatever they're called, pods, supposed to do that? Yeah, Apple's AirPods do that. The Braggy Dash earbuds do that. You know, it's like a, a trend in a lot of these like sort of mobile electronics, which is good because a lot of them, especially the earbuds, are easy to lose. So you want something that not only will charge them back up, but will keep them in place. Just snap right in. No pun intended. All right. Next question is from Aaron Cohen at Cohen Comms on Twitter. What is the age cutoff for wearing spectacles without total mockery? <laughs> uh, well, I'm 30 uh, and I felt like I pulled them off pretty well. I mean, they're definitely not quite my style. I, I feel like I've always looked pretty decent in big sunglasses, weirdly enough. Um, so I don't know. I'm 30. I, I was pretty good in them. Felt pretty comfortable. I don't know beyond that. I mean, I think the age cutoff is really just about whether or not you use Snapchat. Because another thing we hadn't really talked about is, you know, it's sending these videos into the Snapchat app. And so it's, you know, pretty much trying to push you into using it, using all the videos there and posting them there. But once you open up the app and you start going through the videos that you shot, uh, you can export them just like any other video you shoot in Snapchat. So you can share them out to Twitter, or Instagram or wherever. Uh, you just have to be wary of the fact that, weirdly enough, they're shooting in like a circular video format that is then squared off by like a white square. So you're either going to have to crop in on that wherever you share it or just share it as is, which I think is extremely purposeful on Snap's part because it is basically just like advertising for the glasses right there. You know, you post a spectacles video to Twitter and at you know some point soon, it's going to hit cr- enough critical mass that everybody knows what that is. There's no is. mistaking what it is. Yeah. So. Right, right. I don't know. Peter, would you wear them? Uh, my head, I haven't met Sean yet, even though we're in the same building. I'm going to guess my head's about twice the size of Sean, so I don't think they'll physically fit. <laughs> They'd be a little on, tight on then. On my I'm not giant lie. head. Your heads are fine sizes, okay? <laughs> Go ahead. My, my, my six-year-old, uh, who's the one who showed me how to use uh, filters, is super interested in it. So I'm sure there'll be some scenario at some point where he'll be wearing a pair of these. I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Like, there's a reason that the very first ad that they put out for Spectacles was from a parent's point of view at a five-year-old's birthday party. So you might think, oh, I'm too old to wear these. Maybe if you feel that way being out in social settings, but like, you know, at home with your kids where you're not going to have to juggle a camera while you're interacting with them, like anyone of any age is going to want to do that at some point. 
<laughs> I don't know if you're going to put on sunglasses while you hang out with your with your kid, but maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, it would have to be them. outside with this version. <laughs> yeah. Sean, if you weren't reviewing them over the past week or so, would you just grab them to go out? If you're going out for the weekend, would you just would you take them with you? Yeah, I mean, I'm someone who always has a camera with them anyways, even uh, even aside from my smartphone. And I, they're definitely something I would consider. I'm trying to figure out, like, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on when that line dies down at the New York pop-up after Thanksgiving uh, and thinking about hopping over there and maybe grab a pair. Uh, I'm a, kind of bummed out that I'm not going to have them with me to go home for Thanksgiving this week because, you know, there's a lot of stuff. You know, we're bringing our dog with me and, like, I have two new baby cousins, and it would be cool to like see what that would look like. So yeah, I, would, I mean, they're definitely. Yeah, you want to capture the crazy uncle talking about politics at the table? Like, what better way to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, Just... yeah, that might be better off as a spy camera kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Rohan, who is at Rohan Blade in Makersphere, which is at Makersphere HQ, uh, want to know about other things you can do with these photos. Uh, Rohan wants to know if Apple can support them to be live photos or can you use them as GIFs or GIFs. And um, Makersphere wants to know if there's plans for an SDK or developer APIs. Hmm, so we don't know anything about uh, SDK or APIs. As far as we know, you know, Snap is trying to keep as tight a rein on this as possible I, that would be really cool and i'm sure they're open to the idea down the road uh maybe but they're, they're all kind of about insulating and owning the experience like across the board right yeah yeah they so don't really I, share I don't out in general think that would be coming anytime soon uh as far as working with other stuff we kind of just touched on it uh it's definitely you you have to do a little bit of work to get it to work on other platforms but we should be clear these only take videos they don't take photos so there's no you know, your iPhone's not going to convert them into live photos or anything like that. Um, but anything that supports video, you can get this these videos into. So, so what would be an example of like if they were to sort of open this up, right, and allow developers to build on top of it? What's what's an example of something cool that someone could do with these? Well, I'll tell you, one of the weirdest things about them is how disconnected they are from one of the biggest features in Snapchat these days, which is all of their augmented reality stuff. I mean, you can't use any of the, you know, really funny, goofy Snapchat lenses that people like to put on their faces, those like face filters with spectacles, because in the Snapchat app, you can't apply that kind of stuff to videos that are already shot. You have to shoot it while, like do them while you're shooting. So you can't actually do that with spectacles. So I don't know, maybe that would be... a sort of developer thing they would do. I'm sure they're working on how to apply that kind of stuff after you've shot a video anyway. So they're going to probably own that eventually. I mean, they're not putting a camera on your face and not thinking about the augmented reality implications of it. As a professional gadget consumer reviewer, a guy who looks at all this stuff, I mean, it's interesting to me that this is this is a software company's first attempt at hardware. You almost you don't really see it. I mean, Facebook's talked about a Facebook phone. You don't really see it. Twitter never did anything like this. How do you rate Snapchat's effort as sort of a first out of the gate product for a company that doesn't do products or hasn't done hardware up until up until now. I mean, I don't think anybody who isn't, you know, some sort of Snapchat true believer can honestly say that they thought it was going to be this good. I was like completely taken aback at how sort of polished the whole experience is. There's a little bit of mess. I mean, you can read my review to, to sort of get a better understanding of this, but it's a little complicated as far as the amount of stuff you have to go through to be able to, once the videos are on your phone, just to post them to like your story or send them to your friends and everything. There's a lot more steps than normal in the regular part of the Snapchat app. So that part needs to be cleaned up. But otherwise, it's 
I mean, you said it before, Lauren, hardware is hard. I mean, we see companies fail at it every day in the work that we do. And they, on the hardware side of things, they knocked it out of the park. And it's really kind of a surprise. I mean, let's be real here. This is the year of battery failures and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, let's give them a couple more months to make sure these units don't just start failing left and right. Uh, Right now, they look pretty great. Well, I look forward to seeing Peter wearing them once he gets in line at the pop-up store in New York. XXL version. Several hours for them, (laughs) for himself. He says it's for his six-year-old, but I don't believe it, not for a second. And uh, once again, Sean O'Kane from The Verge, my colleague, has a fantastic video, review video on TheVerge.com and on The Verge. Uh, He published it earlier this week, so be sure to check that out if you're looking for more information. And thanks to both of you for joining me today. It's been really fun. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, guys. This has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. And if you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. And once again, you can leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. Subscribing is also great. You'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday, or you can catch up on previous episodes where we answer a lot of tech questions that our listeners have sent in to us. You can also subscribe on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, we're everywhere, basically. And if you go to recode.net slash podcast, you can find more there. While you're there, you should also check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Uh, the Verge also has some great podcasts for your listening pleasure. Walt Mossberg and Neil Patel host Control Walt Elite. Neil I also usually hosts the Vergecast and Chris Plant hosts What's Tech. So don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode or at Lauren Good with the hashtag Too Embarrassed or email them to us. Thanks for listening and thanks again to our sponsors. Thanks also to Digital Media, a company that distributes this show. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask. So tune in then. <laughs>